starts to happen. And it goes down and down until there comes a moment where I go, man, I need to get away again. I'm feeling really far right now. And my answer is to get away. Sometimes that's every six months. But what about when it's a year, two years? We possibly have intimacy with God in, 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 the, in a life like that. I can't. I can't sustain that. And I don't believe that, that you can either. And so this time is, is this, this often, this, this prioritizing, developing consistency, consistent rhythms. When I first came to faith, one of the things that I was taught was when you wake up in the morning, get up, set some time apart from God, for God, and read your Bible, say your prayers. And after a while, I, I rebelled against that. I started to push. I went, oh, that's legalism. That's just people telling me that these are the religious things you're supposed to do. And that can be true. Because if all I'm doing is giving him time, but there's no proximity and there's no communication, then yes, that's not going to develop any level of intimacy with the Father. However, when my time is for the purpose of intimacy, and I've got this equation straight, that time spent with him uh, is sweet and it's rich. It seems to go by faster and faster. And what at sometimes felt like chore to spend time with God for 10 minutes, you know, you're sitting there going, was I just worshiping for an hour? We come in here and, and worship starts at 10.30, right? And we go to 11, and it's one of the, the first things that people have a hard time adjusting to. You're like, oh, we stand, we've got to sing for 30 minutes? Oh, that's oh, the worst. Like, my legs hurt, and distracted, and I think someone just texted me. And But as we develop this rhythm of intimacy with him, right, time seems to go away. We give him our time. A.T. Pearson uh, said it this way, said closest communication or communion, closest communion needs time for the revelation of God's presence. It is vain to say, I have too much work to do to find time. You must find time or forfeit blessing. God knows how to save for you the time you sacredly, you sacredly keep for communion with him. God knows how to save for you the time you sacredly keep for communion with him. A group of uh, pastor friends and I, we, we've been talking a lot about, man, like things, we need to continue to grow. We need to continue to develop. Um, and recently we, we made this decision with one another. I said, man, even being, even being in a pastor, sometimes it's really hard to find time. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it's hard to find time to pray. Sometimes it's hard to find time to read. And we said, hey, for this next month, could the first hour of our time in our office be time given to God? Could maybe the first 20 minutes of a morning be 
given to keep cultivating this intimacy with God this often. Maybe you're an evening person. Could there be time in the evening? Shut everything down. Just to have time with him. Because it seems amazing to me that, that, that those of us who love him, who know him, who have been changed and transformed by him, often find it's so hard to spend any time with him. Jesus modeled what it means to develop intimacy through time. The next is proximity, and by proximity, I'm going to talk about it in terms of shared space with God. There, there are two things that, that come into this. I mean, we talk about Jesus withdrawing to quiet places, going to a place, to a space, uh, requires a, a tremendous amount of intention and intentionality. Um, you, you have to you have to have space. And I'm going to dare say, the quieter the space, the better. Uh, we gather here and we worship, and it's, you know, we, we have moments where the worship is high, and, and, um, and we're really pressing in to everything that God has for us. But there are sweet moments along the way, and, and I love this, and I value this in worship, worship folks, I really love when you do this, where you pull away a little bit and pull back. We have moments where it's, it's a little bit quieter, where we hear what everyone's singing, when, when, when we, we understand, like, God is meeting with us in this space together. There's, there's, some, there's a great level of intention um, intentionality that goes into this. For me to go, okay, this is the place. I have a spot um, at, at uh, Nyack Beach State Park. Um, I'm not going to tell you where my spot is because um, <laughs> it's my spot. Um, but there's, there's a place I like to go um, when I, I feel like, man, I, I really, this is a place where there's proximity, it's quiet, and it's away. Um, but you know what happens when it's cold? I don't go to that space as much. I try to make that space my house. That never works. The dishes are always beckoning. The laundry needs to be done. Right? It's hard to, to find this shared space with God. But we have to find it. And here's why. The moment you follow Jesus' way of salvation, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, God indwells you by the Holy Spirit. Un get this. God indwells you. And he doesn't go anywhere. He never leaves. So this idea that we, we're, we're raised with in a way that somehow... Something I do can scare God away is a fallacy. He is always in you and with you. Always. You can never be closer to him in proximity than you are at this moment right now. But... 
why do we then feel so many times like he's far away? Because the issue with proximity does not lie with God, it lies with me. And if I don't make space, if I, I am not finding time to turn inward, not outward, not all the outward noise and the stuff and the activity, but just turn inward to this, this body that he has designed to be shared space with him, the most intimate place. I can never really be intimate with him. So Jesus modeled this. This time, this proximity, as the, the way to intimacy. Um, Phil, Phil, come on up. Everyone say hi to Phil. Yeah, you say hi, Phil. I asked Phil to come up um, because uh, uh, Sarah and I did Phil and, and Kath. I'm going to sit down for this part, if that's okay with you. Uh, we did their, their premarital counseling, and there's a lot of stuff that we went through in that time, and um, you know, Phil shared a lot of his story uh, in other places that there's a great deal of uh, pain and season that he went through. And um, when we go through seasons of pain, we do one or two things. We, we tend to either react by running and turning outward, um, or we allow that to be the catalyst to, for God to draw us in. Now, I don't know if you all knew this, but Phil just wrote a book and released it on Friday, right? <laughs> Uh, one of the coolest things I saw was a picture of him at Barnes & Noble with this, um, right here at the mall, with a copy of his book, and it said autographed coffee on it. And I was like, oh, I want to go get one of those, right? Um, but Phil, I'm going I'm to give you this mic, and um, I, I want to ask you just a couple of questions uh, about this, because I know that season uh, really served as a catalyst to... Um, to the fruit of that season of, of intimacy being, you know, this book. So could you talk to us a little bit just about um, what, what intimacy with God looked like for you in a season of pain? Um, and then we'll, I'll ask you my follow-up after that. Yeah. yeah, so it's a pleasure to be up here. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Um, but it really started when, um, you know, all that pain was just deep in my soul, and it was almost like my soul was, like, croaking. <laughs> I just needed uh, to let it out. And, you know, it was about, like, uh, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, uh, you know, when Catherine would be sleeping, you know, or something like that. I would literally get up, and I, I just, I needed to write, and I needed to get my stuff out. And that's, that's where it began. And it was really in those super quiet moments that I just needed to let um, you know, all of what was going on inside of me, uh, just out, you know, and, and just on paper, so. Um, and then, uh, as a result um, of that season, you've, you've seen fruit, probably in unexpected ways. Could you talk about some of the, the fruit that you've seen born out of that intimacy? Yeah, there was just tons of affirmation um, just over what I was going through, and I just felt, you know, the voice of God literally uh, just just in every moment, you know, when I would be writing and, you know, when I would be sharing uh, just all these horrific experiences, you know, that I felt like I was going through at the time. That's great. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um.
you want to know more about uh, Phil's experience or, or his book that was born out of that, you can talk to him at any time um, after the service. Um, and so it was a great example of, did, did you hear what he said? In my time of great pain, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Man, how many times does God try to wake us up in the middle of the night? Um, 2 or 3 in the morning, he would get up, he would go find a quiet place, and for you as writing, he would, he would communicate with God, and that's, that's the next thing we'll talk about. Um, Teresa Dedman, who's, who's a pastor out on the West Coast, um, actually talks about proximity this way. She says, just as teenagers can live in the same house as their parents, yet choose not to live close to them in partnership. If you have a teenager, you've been a teenager, you know this is true. They choose not to live close to them in partnership. So we can choose to be children of God, yet live very distant from God in our hearts. On the other hand, we can choose to have the closest partnership with him in which we know what he thinks, believes, and acts, and what is important to him. In this place of intimacy, we also discover just how close he wants to be with us. See, that proximity with him that, that opens us up to the third, the third piece of this equation, which is communication. Jesus would pray. It was there in prayer that he would hear the voice of the Father. Despite whatever else was going on, despite what people were saying about him, they were questioning his methods, they were questioning um, his, his, his ministry, his, his calling, they are questioning everything. Despite that, he would get away, and he would hear the voice of the Father. He would actually allow the voice of the Father to speak louder than all the other voices. I don't know about you, but when, oftentimes in my life, when, when, when things have gotten really hard, um, I would find myself at times uh, turning to the voice of others and getting their opinions about what is going on in the situation of my life before I turn to God. Oh, oh man, like, I've got some conflict with this person over here, so... Let me just find out what everybody else thinks about this. Okay? And then approach them from that place instead of going, Jesus, what would you have me do? Sitting and waiting and listening. I had a major decision to make. God, I, I need a new job. And going to everybody else and going, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this job? And what do you think I'm good at? And all that, instead of sitting in the presence of God. That quiet place and saying, God, what would you have me do? Who would you make me to be? I've got some options. Which one? Which one would serve your purposes? I've had so many conversations with folks over the years. Seems like people have consulted everyone, except for the one that knows them and loves them the best. So we communicate with him. We are praying. Prayer is communication with the God who speaks to us. We fully believe that. I fully believe that. 
God has not stopped speaking. He is continually desiring to speak to us. The one who indwells us has a voice. So which piece of the equation are we missing that we can't hear it? And through our prayers and songs and scripture, and like Bill talked about, journaling, those are all ways that, that we sit and we quiet and we, can, we, we connect with him. And, and when we do this, we start to live what I, I like to call the God-informed life. Every decision you make, every thought about who you are, is informed first by him. Uh, Brother Lawrence, who, who wrote uh, one of my kind of go-to books on, on intimacy with God, says, There is not in all the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. And we cultivate that by giving him time, sharing space with him, by communicating with him. Now, there are many obstacles to intimacy with God, and I want to talk, just talk about some of these. Um, I'm preaching to myself here on a lot of this. Uh, the first one is technology. Oh, my goodness. Does this thing get in the way? Right? This is a tool to be used. Not a master. We're tired and we binge watch. We're tired. We don't know what else to do and we, we disconnect and technology is, is such a, a, a wooing lover, isn't it? Our own comfort tends to be an obstacle to intimacy with God. Listen, I don't really want to spend a lot of time or listen to what God has to say because I really like life the way it is right now. And if I go to him, he might say something that causes my very comfortable life to get messed up. So I will... I will come, and I will worship, and I will do whatever, but I will stop at going to the place where my life is God-informed. Noise is an obstacle to intimacy with God. Um, there's noise all around us, constantly calling for our attention. Um, Why don't everybody do, do something with me here? Why don't you close your eyes? attention to what you hear. 
Okay, that's enough because I don't want you to fall asleep. Um, that was 30 seconds. Anybody feel like 30 seconds felt like a really long time? Yeah? I saw some of you like starting to fidget. You're like, how long? What's even? I, didn't even, I just told you to close your eyes. Thank you for like, you know, playing along. Um, but in 30 seconds of quiet, what were you able to hear that you weren't hearing before? What'd you hear? You heard the hum of the lights, right? What else? Hmm? You heard peace. Everybody hear people start to move a little? Right? I mean, obviously. (laughs) But that's a good example because how many times do we just sit and we don't we don't pay attention to actually who's around us, right? A little bundle of joy roaming around in the back of the room. And we ignore the invitation to join in the joy. Just too noisy. There are lies that we believe about who God is, like I talked about, that he's always angry with me, that I can, I can scare him away, that, that because of... of Something that I may have done and that's in my past, I, he, he, he doesn't want to be close to me. And nothing can be farther from the truth. It's a pretty huge obstacle. And sometimes we just carry around a lot of guilt and shame. And man, in the place of intimacy is where he deals with that. Deals with it. Start to believe again what is true about who we are and who he is. So here's how we can develop some good habits towards intimacy with God. Schedule time with God. Actually, you all, okay, here's how we make, we make this a tool. Do you know there's a calendar on this? And that calendar has alarms actually schedule time. Put it right in your schedule. Just say, this is time I'm giving to God today to meet with him. It's the most important relationship I have. Finding a quiet place. Go find your place. Go there often. Have what we call a 20-minute retreat. So here's my challenge. For the next week, would you be willing to find 20 minutes in your day and have a 20-minute retreat? Don't look at it as, I have to go spend time with God. No, no, no. You get to take a retreat every day, right? You don't have to go away for it. There's no registration fee or airfare. Like, you could do it right in your car. Put on some music that pulls you into the presence of God. Maybe pull out your Bible on your app or if you carry it with you. Just read a little bit of scripture, pray a bit, 20 minutes. Man, there's going to come a time where those 20 minutes don't feel like enough. It'll take a little bit of time to build up to the 20, though, believe me. But, but you can craft your own retreat, your own time with him. You can be with him, laugh with him, cry with him, dance before him. Whatever it is you need to do to to get into a place of intimacy with him. Practice what we call spiritual disciplines, and there'll be a few resources we'll look at in a minute. Um, 
disciplines such as reading uh, scripture, disciplines of praying, disciplines of celebration, um, discipline of silence and solitude. Um, there are a number uh, that are out there in some of these resources you can look at, but, but try them. Um, they're all pathways to intimacy with God. And if what's going on in your life right now isn't working, try something new. Switch it up. If you're really dry and like God's really far away, then we need to be the one who makes the move. Try something different. And here are just a few helpful resources. This is like my top five. Right? This is my top five. For me, it's books. I like to read. You might find some podcasts or some uh, other things that help you with this. Um, Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence is a great resource. Uh, Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas um, is one that's helped me tremendously in, in developing intimacy with God because in there he teaches you that, hey, we're each designed to meet God a bit different, and that's okay. Give me a lot of permission to pursue God. Uh, Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Um, Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And one of my absolute favorites, The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. The tagline is spiritual disciplines for normal people. So, so he talks about like the discipline of sleep. Hmm. Like, if I actually get sleep, enough sleep, I won't be too tired to meet with God. I won't be too tired to love my neighbor. So maybe we need to start in some very fundamental places. Um, I invite you to stand with me as we, we wrap up today and before we come to the table for communion together. Um, and I, I invite you to pray. We're going to pray this prayer out loud together. Um, as we did with the prayer of salvation, we're going to pray this prayer to, to follow the way of intimacy that, that um, Jesus has shown us. Um, so so if, if you would, would you pray this out loud with me today? Jesus, I admit that I have chosen my way and not yours. I confess that I do not always engage the time, proximity, or communication necessary to grow in intimacy with the Father. Today, I commit to follow your way. Let that sit for a minute. Today, oh, thanks. Oh, we're going back forth. Okay. Today, I declare. So when we declare things here, we declare them, right? We, we, we say yes. Um, so, so reading along and declaration should feel different. Um, so let's declare this out together. Today I declare, I will make time with you a priority. I will be consistent in my time with you. I will be intentional in making space for us. I will remember that you are always with me. I will learn to hear your voice in prayer and let your voice speak louder than any other. I was created to be in relationship with the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I believe that your way of intimacy is the best way to live. Amen. Yeah?
right? We can all agree with this. We know it. It's time to move in it, church. It's time to move in this. Um, developing a level of intimacy. Listen, you can tell when folks have been in, in, in an intimate place with Jesus when you walk into a room. Um, I, I have never walked into a place um, where there, there um, anytime I walk into a place where there's a really high engagement in worship of God, um, usually it's there because the people have developed a very deep intimacy. The deeper we go, the higher we live. The higher our expression of worship. And so, in this season, as you pursue the way of Jesus that is the way of intimacy, may you go deeper than you ever have before. We might go higher than we ever have.